This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down for What. Welcome back again. So uh, we have just a few items this week to discuss. First one is Tesla. They are back in the news. They are. Yeah. So they, uh, they kind of finally started rolling out the Cybertruck. It looks like they're going to start being able to fulfill orders. Um, obviously, you are one of those orders. I'm one of those um, orders. Very early yeah. number two. And so uh, obviously there's some news around that. They had a big picture that they put over, you know, online on X now that it's not Twitter. Um, and uh, X going to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they they, uh, they kind of showed the first one rolling off the line. I think they're finally after years and years and years uh, starting production. Um, but what was some of the interesting insights, Jesse, that uh, they announced when they started rolling this off the line? Well, so far, I still don't know for sure what our mileage is going to be on the large battery truck. Um, they went back and forth. It sounds like maybe 350 miles. And then when you talk about last week, you have General Motors talking about their new Cadillac IQ coming in um, around 450, 450 miles. Yeah. So I don't know if that's on the base model is 350 and then the extended range is possibly 400. Um, my truck, uh, the one I ordered had the three engine. So I opted for the, every Didn't package, you get the quad motor. I got the quad. No, it went to a quad motor. So uh, people that had the three were upgraded to a quad motor. So you're going to have independent, you know, per wheel, I guess, uh, for that. Um, but hopefully we get a bigger battery too, because I was expecting the 450 to 500 range. Because if it's still going to be around, that's the what same they originally truck, announced yeah. it to be. But it seems like one of the rumors potentially was that it was only going to be, um, it was only going to be originally released at the 350 range. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm not going to cancel my order, obviously. Um, it looks sharp. I mean, looks, I've seen. It looks. It looks like a razor. Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, I mean, it's weird, and I mean, it's I think different. it's. It, you're going to get the looks on the road. Oh, you, um, people are going to look at it all right. Yeah. So. Um, and, and again, I've, I've been excited about that truck almost as much as I have about my F-150. Um, it's, it's a new technology that I like going into. There's still so many good things about it that I want to want to try it. I've not had a Tesla, so this will be my first Tesla to, to, to see. But It's an interesting um, start to the Tesla. If, if the mileage isn't there, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to – I don't know if it's something I'd want to keep over what I already have for the can, difference in price. You can rocket that thing straight into resale. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's a spaceship. So yeah. that 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 is. We'll see what happens. So that that is definitely one area that uh, we'll we'll kind of look at and go from there. So uh, second thing, and uh, this is about my F one hundred and fifty. So uh, a couple of months ago, my charger at home died on me, and it's a Ford charger. Um, and it took us about a month to get everything worked out. Now, I had my other charger at home, the smaller one, but I didn't really have the higher power system to hook it up to because I used that for my charger. And we were doing a lot of troubleshooting. So we went back and forth with Ford a couple weeks going back and forth until they sent me a new charging unit. They sent me um, everything I needed to install it. They gave me, uh, uh, they paid for everything on that and they helped me out in areas I didn't expect. So... And something like that, it definitely the above and beyond mantra that these companies, any company, would need to have is, um, you know, they took care of me. And that's what you want to have in any type of car company like that. So uh, thank you to Ford on that. Um, you know, I think there was a three-year warranty on the charging unit, but they could have just sent me one and said, there you go, send me the old one back and we're done. But no, they went, they made sure that the cost to reinstall it was there. They made sure that uh, any charging that I had to do while I was at home 
you know, before I had to go trips or something were covered. So very, very nice of them to handle that. And then went above beyond afterwards and offered me some warranty and some other things. So, you know, again, that's, that's what you want from these car companies that are creating new technologies. So anybody looking buy a Ford. Yeah. So I'm, I was very happy about that. So, and then lastly, before we get into our, uh, um, special for the special day. meeting today. Uh, FedEx has a new cargo plane and it is a 500 pound cargo and it's from Elroy Air. So we're going to be talking a little bit to a FedEx uh, representative this afternoon about the EV stations with their delivery. And again, FedEx is a company in Tennessee. They're out of Memphis and a big partner uh, for our state, a big, uh, probably the highest or the largest employer of our state too, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it'd be great to talk with them and, and kind of see what they are doing in the EV space and how that's going to affect uh, Tennessee and uh, the nation over the next few years, especially when you start looking at how much logistics they have. They are probably going to save a huge amount of money by going to electric in a lot of these areas. So we're, we're going to talk with him and um, uh, ask him a few questions about his industry, and we'll have that next. Well, we're back. We have a special segment today with uh, Mr. Christopher. You by Chris? Chris is fine. Yeah. So you are located out in the California area. Um, and tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you drive and what you do. Yeah, I uh, live out in the Bay Area, out in Hayward, um, kind of right in the center of the Bay Area. And I work for FedEx uh, as a senior manager out here. Um, we have an e-transit van that, that we use in, in our team. And then I personally drive the Ford Lightning. I, I was the first one to take delivery out of my local dealership out here uh, a, a over a year ago now. So back in July of last year. So um, been driving that the whole time. It's my daily driver. It's what I use all the time. Um, and, tell me, and tell me it's not the best <laughs> vehicle. It's, no, it's amazing, man. Um, it was funny because like, you know, you and I have very similar paths where um, like, you know, we used it for like a frunk or treat situation. You know, I've, I, one of the first things I did with it was that, um, it's, I've used it to power a bouncy house for the kids. I've used it, uh, to power the house during my, my daughter's birthday. Uh, when, when we had a big atmospheric river storm come by in February and it blew down a power pole in our neighborhood. And so we were the only house on the block with it running. So it's, you know, I've used every bit of capability for it, filled it up with Costco stuff, um, yeah, I've, I've done it all. I've had the gremlins. I've, I've dealt with the gremlins and uh, kind of gotten those for the most part corrected. And it's just part of the journey, man. It's part of the fun. I, I knew what I was getting myself into, and that was part of the adventure of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, my history is, you know, I, I do real estate um, primarily, but I mean, for the practicality of driving around town, I mean, I've said this probably 10 times on the podcast already, but I mean, the, the amount of savings I get just for the local commute, but I mean, I never have range anxiety on my local commute. Now, when I have to start taking on these road trips that we've been doing for business, <laughs> you know, you obviously have to deal with the charging infrastructure, which is something that we're actively working on. Um, but something that, you know, in all reality, you know, for the average person doing daily driving, you have more than enough. I mean, in real estate, on my busiest days around town, I'm driving 50 to 100 miles, uh, you know, and that, you know, very few people are going to drive more than that unless they're doing some massive commute. Uh, Jesse worked um, about three, four hours away. Yeah, it was um, two and a half hours at a G-site. So wow. uh, I would drive two hours, 15 minutes there, two hours, 15 minutes back over a mountain. Both ways, uphill in the snow. <laughs> right. So, Against the uh, wind. 
Oh, it was horrible. But uh, the fun part about it is it was a country road, so you're going left and right, a lot of turns, a lot of twists. And that's why at 10,000 yeah. miles he didn't have any uh, tires left. Yeah, I'm, I'm at 22,000 or 24,000 now, and I am looking for a new set of tires. So, um, But uh, that it could be worse. I think I read an article yesterday where some Rivian owners are needing tires at 6,000 miles. So it always is worse for others, I guess. Spin it out too much, I guess. No, something, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, so I was putting 200 miles a day that way, um, charging at home, going to work um, at that facility, at that center, or, or that particular data center, there was, uh, they allowed for charging through ChargePoint. So I would use ChargePoint while I was there, get 100 miles of range added, and then drive home. So I didn't ever, the whole time I never had a time where I thought I was not able to get home doing that. And my cost went from about $78 a day down to seven bucks. So yeah, it's a game changer at that, at that point, you know, out, out in California, we have chargers everywhere. I mean, they're just anywhere you look, you're going to be able to find a charger, you know, and I, I didn't even get the extended range. I just have the short range. And, um, even with the short range where I am, my particular uh, area of the Bay Area, I can make it up to Sacramento uh, and back on my standard range charge. And that's about 220 miles. Uh, and that's me keeping it, you know, just a bit below 70. Um, you know, if I'm trying to go 80 miles an hour, um, which most of the time you can't do on a Bay Area freeway anyway. Um, <laughs> but if I attempted that, the range definitely goes down. But Day to day, you know, my, my driving is local. It's rush hour commute traffic. I'm not getting to that speed. So on a typical Which, week, you know, even with my standard range, I'll, I'll get 270 miles a week out of my standard range um, just because of the conditions that I'm driving in. And then for the times that I've done a road trip with the family, you know, Sacramento and back is 220. I get down to Monterey. I get down to Santa Cruz. Um, one time just for the fun of it, I uh, I went down to Monterey, Santa Cruz and then went to try the magic dock um, that's out there in, in that area. So S Scott's Valley, which is kind of on the way back from Santa Cruz. Um, so that was just a fun experience. I didn't need to, but I did it because I wanted to kind of situation. How, how, how was the Tesla experience as a uh, Ford driver? It, it, it was great, man. I mean, I, I pulled right up. There was another Rivian there. Um, you know, I, I made sure to be conscious and, and park at the stall that's kind of off to the left, knowing that the way that we would have to plug in with a lightning uh, isn't the way the stalls have been designed. So yeah, kind of taking away a spot. But I mean, the great thing about Tesla is they've got, you know, 12, 16 chargers at a location. And so, you know, when I pulled up, only half of them were in use. So I made sure to take one where it wouldn't block anybody. I plugged right in. I've already have Tesla products. I've got the app, you know, my payment's already there. So it was super easy. You go to the app, you say, you know, unlock the charger, you tell it what stall you're on, you plug in and it just works. Um, and no issues, no, no problems, you know, and everybody's curious and they want to come talk and you talk and it's an EV community thing, which I'm super into just the entire community of it. So it was a great experience. Uh, I am excited about getting those superchargers open. I, I do Tesla referrals and I'm saving all of my referral points to exchange them for supercharger miles. Um, so, you know, my plan is to never use an EA charger again, if I can avoid it. Um, oh yeah. And I mean, I, I personally, and you know, I've had conversations, we've had long road trips, like, well, why don't we take the gas powered? It's like, nah, we, I, I want to go stop. And uh, it's every stop you do, you meet somebody on the road that's yeah. traveled from here to there in their EV and there's a story to tell. And it's a, it's a fun community to be a part of and kind of get the different uh, perspectives. But um, my 
EA journey has not been all the all pleasant, um, which uh, is something to be uh, improved upon. But something I mean, I think that the opening of the Tesla network will be a big um, opportunity for drivers like us, um, but also you know, the generalized improvement of uh, the charging infrastructure, which is coming very soon. Uh, California is going to be a little bit different, both than the rest of the nation, because they are uh, far ahead on the green initiative with all the chargers and all of that. I mean, I took a road trip from East Tennessee down to Florida, and I mean, your chargers are 150 miles apart. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you can't skip one and go to the next. You stop at the one that's there, and so I mean, it's it takes planning. I got there and back. It was fine. It was fun, and I mean all that. But uh, the charging infrastructure with the new uh, grants coming out putting those stations every 50 miles uh, will definitely improve confidence for me as a driver, um, especially having diverse options outside of just EA, because literally the entire trip there and back, I only used EA until I got to my destination, which they had a charge point slow charger, um, but there's not an abundance of uh, companies kind of with their name in the hat. And so reliability, um, you know, you're, you're stuck in one boat there. Um, but I think that the upcoming infrastructure will definitely improve confidence for the average road tripper going from here to there. Yeah. I mean, even out here where we've got a lot of them, I, I've uh, never had a uh, like plug in and have it work without a problem ever. Um, I, I've had them get derated down to like 33 kilowatts. Um, I, I've, I've had it where I plug it in and it airs out. I've had it where, you know, it's rated at 350 and it gives me 80 and I, you know, I try a different one. I always eventually get it right. It's just trying to figure out all the little, again, the gremlins in the system. And I think the competition is going to be amazing because it's going to put pressure on everybody. Uh, it takes 20 minutes to get a charging session started. That's no fun for anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was, um, you know, I told you I'm really big in just the overall EV community and the, um, the San Joaquin Valley Tesla club was great and um, invited me down kind of the central Valley of California. And that's been my longest trip. Um, that's one where I had to definitely use a charger. So starting at 100% at home, no problem. I can make it all the way down to that Fresno area where they were. Um, but, on the, you know, I had to charge on the way back. So I stopped at one at a Walmart, you know, to grab lunch. And it was that, that whole scenario, you know, plugged into the first one, it didn't work. Went to the second one, it was out of order. Went to the third one, it was derated. Plugged into the fourth, finally got it to work. Like you said, 20 minutes later of moving my truck, I'm finally going, you know, going to have lunch. And then I came back and it was fine after that, right? Made it home, no problem. But that, you know, my thought well, was... EA, with EA being kind of an exclusive provider, and this is just an educated guess, but the demand charges have been raking these providers over the coals, especially like Tennessee. Uh, we're, we've been doing some quotes for our infrastructure that we're installing in Tennessee. And, you know, these power providers, like through our local power um, association that covers seven regional states, they're, they're wanting to charge like for a site to actually have 600 kilowatts, you know, for four 150 kilowatt stations, they're wanting to charge like $9,000 a month for a demand charge just to have power to the site. And so it would make sense. I mean, you're seeing a lot of these stations with 350. I've never, my truck will only take 170, right. but I'm getting 170 like once out of every 10 charges. And that's if nobody else is plugged in. And I think maybe if nobody else is charging, I'm thinking that they're descaling their actual power into the station. And so it could be a 350 station, but it'll never reach 350 just because of the, the scaled back demand. Um, and so if you put four vehicles on the chargers, I'm getting 80, 90 
kilowatts delivered, which, you know, just is a lot longer of a road trip when, you know, ideally in a perfect world, you could see a, you know, a 170 consistent delivered. That way you can get back on the road in 20 minutes rather than an hour. Well, we have had a couple of Rivian drivers that when we've stopped have been charging and they do get over 200. So you do get a little bit of an advantage, but I still think, you know, they said a lot of times you're seeing even those get even those are getting derated down into the 130s, 120s. Yeah, um, and that's on a 350 that yeah. they're getting 200. Yeah. So obviously there's something going on there that won't allow it. I'm happy with 130 to be honest. Hard delivered, but I'm, my guess is it's the infrastructure. If I was to to guess, but yeah, I, you know, I, I target the 350s because I've never plugged into a 150 that gave me triple digit kilowatts. But if I get to the 350, I can get about 130. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's so many challenges with it. It's going to get better for sure. Um, I think, you know, you got environmental studies, you've got all the different trying to get it connected with the with the grid, you know, PG now here's Southern California, Edison, San Diego Electric, they all have just so many people requesting things and the backlog and the paperwork. And, you know, I've read article after article of trying to get one of these things ramped up and all the, the regulations and the, the difficulties of trying to do it. And then the infrastructure, right? Like, like you were saying, you can't just throw in a whole bunch of chargers and not have upgrades to the transformers and the power lines and all of the other things that are going to get this power to some of the more yep. remote remote places of the state or the country. It's just not some magic thing where you can drop it in and you've got the the supply lines to to give you, uh, you know, a megawatt of power. And you know, is where I'll give myself a shout out. You know, me and Jesse, what we've been doing with Power of America is we're looking at specifically targeting rural America um, because. The charging infrastructure and the power, uh, the power grid isn't necessarily juiced up to be protected in those rural areas. And oftentimes they don't have the power infrastructure to manage, like you're saying, five to 10 chargers. And so what we're doing is actually energy independent charging sites with solar and battery. And the battery as a backup can then act as high power delivered. And then you could just use the solar to charge the battery. And... There, we have systems that can actually upcharge single phase to three phase um, into the battery. And so you have the reliability of the battery output rather than hoping that the demand coming from the power grid would be sufficient. And so that's going to allow, you know, a consistent high level experience where if you're promised 150, you're yeah. receiving 150 because it's coming out of a battery that has a higher, way higher output than the power grid connection to that transformer. And it does not affect the grid, which is one of our key parts for what we're trying to design as well. So yeah, know, awesome. hopefully our, our design will work. We think it will. So we'll see. And what's but, the difference between what you guys are doing and like the Tesla mega packs that they have out here that we've had a couple yeah. of those. It is, it is that, but I mean, yeah. a lot of times you're not seeing, uh, a, I've not seen anywhere within the region, a energy, the batteries act as a good trend. Like you can charge the batteries on non-peak hours output from the batteries but you're still relying on the grid. And so for rural America, that doesn't like, you know, our current power provider Christmas Eve was struggling to power houses because of the grid demand. And so you can't sit there and be plugging in electric vehicles, sucking, you know, hundreds of extra megawatts from that, that power grid uh, to charge vehicles. And so times, then, yeah. so then what you can do is you can utilize the solar. And then with what we're doing with a three, four acre solar attached to our sites, then we're actually having energy independent sites that will allow you basically to use the solar to charge the battery. The battery will charge for the full day. And so day and night you're off grid. And then obviously in high, high demand, uh, you can utilize the 
uh, grid as a backup to charge the battery in non-peak hours or on a stormy day or whatever. And we but, are definitely considering Tesla Megapacks for some of our sites, but the problem is they go up to three megawatts, I think is, uh, is their standard. And with the way these grants and everything fall and the way where our sites financials are, we can only go about one megawatt to two megawatts. Uh, so we're having to stay in the lower echelon of the financial scale in order to pay for everything. So we're having to do it with, yeah. you know, different, different groups. But ultimately, if we could uh, uh, afford the three megawatts at a time, that's what we would end up doing. And there's a couple solar projects that we've been working on that actually are utilizing the Tesla Megapack just because they, they have the extra um, expenditure to run towards that type of production. But on the micro scale, if you're looking at some rural areas of Tennessee, out towards Memphis, you go out into the country there, they're wanting to put charging stations. Well, I mean you're not going to have occupancy at the level that you're going to see in California. And so we're envisioning five to 8% occupancy of that station uh, throughout the day. And so on a site like that, like, you know, you, you, you don't need a tremendous uh, battery pack to, to power that because the it's $1.8 million yeah, Tesla pack does you, not work on that. You're, you're going to be outputting, so. you know, you, you might output half a megawatt a day, you know, on that, maybe a megawatt a day, but that's something you can do with much less infrastructure. Now, what do you think is your take on having just been there to Tennessee? I was uh, is the first travel I've done where when I um, we use Hertz as one of our preferred vendors for renting, and you know I've, I've gotten a Polestar from them. I've used Tesla a couple times, and it's it's a really great deal, especially if I'm traveling where we've got chargers. You know, I'm I'm able to charge up at the office or whatever. And um, but I get to Tennessee. It was the first time at the Memphis airport. Hertz doesn't even carry. The Tesla EVs at all. The other places I would go to, there'd be a you know a row of twelve of them. You know they have manager specials, all these different deals. Is it a like? Is it a you know? I think that it's available right? uh, because when you start looking at Tennessee, Tennessee has a lot of car companies that are in the state. So it is my guess that, and I have no idea for this to know one way or the other. But when you start having Ford with their EVs here. You have Volkswagen with their EVs here now in Tennessee and in, in Chattanooga area. You have Nissan with their EVs here. You have General Motors building their batteries in a plant in Tennessee now. So I think Tennessee is very friendly to those car companies. So if you're Tesla, would you invest as much here as you would say Texas? And were those, you know, I, I don't know if that's the case or not. I do see a lot more vehicles coming into that market, but it could also be that the charging networks just weren't up to par either. And uh, yeah. that will be changing in the next year. Tennessee announced that their program is going to put tw uh, 32 level three charges across the interstate corridor and 64 down south. So in doing that, you're going to see a lot more availability for charging. So maybe leasing those cars at these different airports would be more feasible at that point. And as a demographic thing, I mean, if you look at the location in the nation, you know, the the, there are certain states on a generic level, there are certain states that are going to be more prone to provide yep. electric vehicles. Um, I would love to go to my local rental car, rental car company be able to pick up a Tesla. Um, I have not seen that. Um, so I, I think that that's something that, that that might just be temporary. It could be charging infrastructure or it could just be the company as a whole saying, we're not going to target Tennessee yet. We're going to put the EVs in California where we know that they're going to uh, rent or, you know, other states that, you know, are going to be a lot more, um, have a higher demand for that, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but that's something that, I mean, if I was to go through, 
I'm not, you know, like I, I love my electric vehicle and that's just, I mean, that's, that's just a personal preference. Um, but you know, a lot of people can be, have their different opinions about what that is and what that's doing. But for me, I mean, if I can uh, get a Tesla over a junker that you're going to get, uh, I would hundred percent take the Tesla. So, yeah, most of my travel has been, you know, California, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, and they've always had them. And then I, yeah, I just couldn't tell is it this, that, uh, they need to build the infrastructure and there's just not the interest there yet or the confidence in there yet. So Hertz doesn't, yeah. you know, put those vehicles in that market. Whereas it, you know, build it and they will come, you know, once you, you kind of chicken and the egg, which one do you do? Um, I think there's yeah, a lot of areas of the country still like that. That's one of the reasons that we decided to even start this podcast in the first place is we want to open up a realistic dialogue, you know, talking about here's the pros of the EV industry, which I think there's far more pros than there are cons. But we also want to be realistic talking about, hey, sometimes with EA, you're going to have a hard time getting charged yeah. at a stop. Does that mean that it's not practical? No, that just means that you have to be smart. I had a buddy this morning because you always get the haters talking. <laughs> I had a buddy this morning. You always have a buddy. Text, text me the, the Fox Business News article about the guy from Canada oh. that spent 140000 on his lightning. And it was such a, it was the largest scam in history. And I went off. Hey, buddy, listen, like just for, for information purposes, he should have never spent 130000 on the truck in the first place. It is Canadian. That's Canadian dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But they didn't make they didn't clarify that in the article, too. He was saying, well, I had to put in $13,000 of charging infrastructure. Even in the conversion, I spent 500 at my house. Yes. Wire my free pro charger in to my in with my vehicle, I, but uh, if you had to buy the pro charger, it's two grand to have it wired and installed and all that. Um, and then you know it was talking about well he tried to take an eighteen hundred mile road trip and then took it to a body shop and it took six months to fix. I'm like, well, what's that? That's do? Yeah. I mean, I had I had a deer with my truck in the fall and it took thirty days and it was back on the road again. No, so, yeah. I, I mean that's just. People are always going to have their negatives and positives on everything. So in this case, all I can say for Josh and I both is what our experience has been. And it's been more positive than negative. And I feel like I have got more money out of the truck than what I have lost in the truck in depreciation. So in that aspect of it, I'm very happy. Is there things I would rather see? Yeah, I would like to see more range. I would like to see 450 wherever. I think that's going to be the sweet spot. You see Chevy going up to 400 on their trucks you have 450 on their highest end suv now with the uh, cadillac iq coming out you have um you know the hummer is lower but the newer ones coming out they charge it 350 and they get 400 plus range i think that's a good number i think so. i think if we see a world in which you know and now we've said this before if i can see a world in which delivered charge can be 250 plus and battery range estimated can be 400 to 500 in that range, then you're going to see a, a world in which the EV community can successfully grow. Because, I mean, obviously people with the long distance travels are going to be hesitant towards the agenda. Because I, I agree. I took it to Ford and back. It had its inconveniences. It was an extra hour and a half because of slow chargers and all of this. But if I can plug up, have lunch and be done and then go 500 miles with my truck to get all the way to my destination. Go to Bucky's. <laughs> I mean, like you can go to Bucky's by the time you actually get through getting your beef jerky. It's done. I mean, your, your charge is done. But I mean, you know, the, the Escalade, for instance, you know, it was announced last week. And, you know, it's something that 
450 mile range. 130,000 though. I, I agree. But my point is the technology is there where you can get 450 range. It's going to charge at a high speed and it's going to be a luxury SUV, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But if they can make something like that in a price range that people can afford, which that's more about the luxury SUV than it is just the battery and the charging. Um, but if you can make something like that, that's the Lucid is a prime example. Yeah. The Lucid can go 500 miles on a charge and it can charge at high speeds. But the Chevy do the same thing. You're and so if you, you're 150,000, 200,000 on those models that do that, that have those motors, that have those big battery packs, you know, the thing I But the technology eventually will dwindle down as you have that investment made. You're, you you have breakthroughs every day in motor designs. Uh, I saw where Koenigsegg had theirs the other day and their electric engine that they created was very unique. And as that technology kind of changes and people look different, the different designs, I think we're going to come across the perfect design to have everything that we have today, but with the ability of charging on a good network at a low price. So I think we need um, to, I think we need to take a technology leap. I mean, uh, I didn't, I didn't even comment on the the Canada article and I didn't repost it or anything. So I didn't want to give any, you know, any kind of circulation to that, that clown. I mean, he was just, I can't even believe that guy's a professional reporter. It was, it was so awful. It was so bad. Uh, you know, like you, I had it, uh, somebody sideswiped my truck uh, late last year. I had it in the body shop. It was, you know, out for, for three weeks. Um, one of the things I love about the F-150, in fact, is that those parts are so available um, that it wasn't hard to get a lot of the stuff that we needed to, to get it right again. It's not a unibody construction where if somebody rear ends the back of the truck, it's a unibody that's going to like transfer all that energy and damage to the rest of the vehicle, to the frame. It's not a structural battery pack where, you know, that's part of the structure of the vehicle and you've got to replace the whole thing like a Tesla. Um, I had the gremlin where my where my battery module failed and I had to get a new battery module. You know, the, yep. the dealer was great. They let me watch it, the whole thing drop. They got to open it up. I got to see the insides of it. Um, they were able to replace one module, which if I had to pay for it, I think would have been, you know, four or five grand. But obviously it was warrantied and will be, you know, for eight years. So it was, it was really well thought out by Ford, um, that technology to be able to swap that battery module and then pop it right back into the truck again. Um, so I think there's a lot of design aspects about the Lightning that I just I just appreciate the heck out of. And I, I think Ford has taken a different strategy because you know we just had a meeting out here in California with Jim Farley and he was talking to us as owners, getting input, kind of traveled from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was just absolutely amazing, you know, but but he made clear that he's not going the direction or his vision isn't that 200 kilowatt battery pack that that no. Chevy's going with or that Lucid's going with. That's not his strategy at all. He wants, you know, the, the Mach-E and the Lightning and the, and the T3 and the future versions. Um, you know, for now, anyway, they're going to be the, the more realistic battery packs that we're seeing with that better charging infrastructure for the day-to-day -day folks. You know, they're trying to get the prices down on the pros and the XLTs. The fleet business that they have is just massive you know they were at a, at a place out here with um, a company that has like 300 of the lightning pros um in their fleet so power companies have them out here there, there's a market right you just have to know your market lucid's got a market chevy with their hummer and, and those things there's a market but i love what ford is doing just in terms of the way they design it and the, the way they're looking at the just trying to get it into the hands of people that are going to use it day to day because 95% of my driving, it's charging at home. It's not using the, the DC charge network. I, I know that's not the case for the Midwest and a lot of the, 
the the country that's more spread out, right? I, I get that. You're going to need better battery packs for towing. But I think there needs to be a technology leap. I don't I think, feel like, you know, the old cell phone bricks. You remember those brick cell phones? That, I feel like that's where we are with trucks, right? And you got to have battery packs that get it down to be the the flip phone, the iPhones, more density. Yep. It, it, the technology we have I today isn't going to do it. And I think that you're seeing some significant evolution. If you study the battery evolution that's happening, things like solid state, you know, Toyota is flexing this, you know, opportunity for this solid state battery that charges super quick and that will go 900 miles or something. But I mean, obviously, obviously you have to wait for reality to hit, but, you know, using common materials, you know, to build a battery pack that's going to have good, uh, range, better charging abilities rather than your traditional lithion, which, you know, will have its pluses and minuses. I think that it's, it's like you're saying, it's a technology evolution that's going to start with battery rather than just go. I, I, I agree with you in that, you know, there's the model of just make the biggest battery possible and that's the way to do it. But I think that the, the correct evolution is how can we make the vehicle lighter and how can we get battery technology improved to then force yourself into the future because the battery the battery tech could get to the point that you could have a thousand mile range and a 10 minute charge it's just a matter of how can they get that battery tech improved and you're seeing that the tech's starting to already get there it's just that the 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 manufacturers have to get it on a a wide scale production which i think will happen in the next 10 years um but that's that i think that you're looking at battery tech as the next big evolution that's going to happen We've, we've hit on these topics. One thing we've not talked about on our side before is the comparison for the e-transit that you have and you've been around and you've drove. For anybody out there that it has a small business, a plumbing supplier, whatever, yeah. what is your experience with that e-transit and how does it stack up against your F-150 Lightning? Yeah, so the, um, I mean, they're, they're, they're a little bit different in the fact that I'm not really loading up my Lightning to transport a whole bunch of boxes and, and that kind of thing. And it, the Lightning, surprisingly, not surprisingly, if you understand it, I guess, but to some people, might be surprising. It's uh, it's more efficient. The Lightning is um, that e-transit. It is a cube, and and so when you're delivering a route, you know we'll get anywhere from uh, 110 to 150 miles on a route, but it really is dependent on your speed. Like you get onto the freeway and you hit speed, or you get heavy winds. Those heavy winds that come over in the winter, and you're really slowing yourself down. So. You really want to be on the city streets. You want to be going, you know, again, rush hour traffic doesn't matter, right? You're not going more than 30 miles an hour. You're stopping, go the whole way. So we have a route that goes all the way up to Sacramento, but we have one that goes down over the Santa Cruz mountains. Those don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Where they make sense is the ones that stay in the Bay Area. And you can load that thing up and it's a smooth ride. It's a quiet ride. It's comfortable and it's real easy to drive, Um, especially if you're driving it into San Francisco, for example, even though you've got those hills and everything, the power to instantly get where you need to go and get up those hills. Cause you know, unlike your trip, you know, we're, we're not uphill both ways, right? They're, you're coming back down that hill and recharging and getting the regen and you're stop and go and you're not moving fast. It's, it's great. It's absolutely great to drive. Um, but to your point, going to need that technology leap to take it on the, lo- the longer routes and to be able to get it up to speed or, or you're getting down, you know, if we take a freeway where it's just a straight shot, you know, you're down to like 80 miles and that's not going to do much. You know, you got to get back. So, um, yeah, you can't drive it uh, 70 yeah, miles an hour. 
Have you gotten to see or be involved at all with Amazon's Rivian uh, EV? We, yeah, we have them out here. Um, I, I've talked to the drivers a couple times. I've been inside of them. They are beautiful. They're purpose built for Amazon and they're really yeah. well done. You know, the e-transit, for example, um, is just your standard e-transit that's been converted. Yeah, we've got some shelves and some things that we've done it. We put our branding on it and wraps on it. We've got some camera systems that monitor driver behavior to make sure, you know, we're doing things the right way. So there's some safety features we've added, but it, it wasn't purpose built for us. The Rivian van, the way that they have like the jump seat for somebody to do what, what we call a check ride, you know, to go and audit your drivers, um, all the controls and the features and everything are in, in the sliding door between the, the driver and the, and, the, and the actual, you know, where all the packages are. You know, our drivers have to get out of the of the e-transit, slide the door open, get inside or go through the back door, just like any other van. Yeah. You know, we used yeah. to have Ford Econoline van, vans and all that kind of stuff. Same same kind of design. Uh, the Amazon one is just built where you can go straight from the driver position through a sliding door, get your stuff, come back out. It, it's still a box, though. It's still really inefficient, but it's a uh, it's been it's been built around the driver experience much better. Yeah than than the e-transit has but yeah i think rivian's smart doing that uh, i think that's a that's a big deal with them and amazon it's gonna oh yeah i mean that's a that's a good you know market for them to be in i mean because that's uh i mean amazon's a gigantic company but i mean if they can have the right partnerships that could be something that could expand into other industries depending on how exclusive that setup is because i mean really all you have to do is slap a different label on the outside and you can have a really practical for ups for FedEx, I mean, you can have a really practical vehicle. I don't know if that's an exclusive agreement, but I mean, if they're making those in quantity, I mean, I think that they launched their own factory in Georgia yeah, to sure. make those. Uh, so, I mean, if they could somehow utilize that to uh, then go out and, you know, put other labels, it could be a good transporter option. I think um, it's funny because people get caught up in this whole idea of losing money on EVs, losing money on EVs. And um, I think they forget really that it's about scale. Tesla lost money on EVs for years before they, and they, they burned through that cash. Right. And, and then when they finally got to scale uh, early on, even really they, when they very, very first were profitable, it wasn't on the EVs. It was on their energy credit swaps. It was those, uh, that was how they were kind of first turning profitability. And then they got to scale with the model three and then the model Y. Right. And I've always, I've always been kind of like, Hey, what's the difference between burning cash from an investor and burning cash from your ice sales in the case of Ford, right? Ford's losing a couple billion dollars a year on their EVs. Why is that? People look at that and they demonize it. I'm like, why is that different? In fact, why is it not more? They're investing. They're in the middle of investing billions. I mean, Blue Oval City tanked them $5 billion. Yeah. But guess what? That's an investment into the future of the industry. I think before the auto bailout, Chevrolet or General Motors burned through $88 billion for like a 12-year Back the time period it was, but before they had that bailout, they had lost eighty-eight billion dollars to that point. So yeah. it can happen to anybody. I mean, I, mean I think, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, there's a, there's a resistance uh, that doesn't have logic beh back behind it, and that's something that you know, our, our goal is to kind of take the fud that's you know out there and kind of speak to it, but also be realistic about the pros cons because. I mean, there is there is the negatives and there's things to be improved upon, but it's they, they are actively working on the issue. And it's something that, you know, the the pros of, you know, zero to 60 and three point nine net never once has ever gotten old for me. Uh, Absolutely. I won't, won't get old. So.
yeah, oh, yeah. I, th- I think as Ford gets to, to Tennessee and gets their scale over, you know, 100,000 vehicles, and I think they're doing it the right way. I think Rivian's doing it the right way. They're diversifying their, you know, what they're doing between Amazon and the R1T, the R1S, you know, the the, the second version is going to become the R2. I don't know if they're calling it the R2. Um, what was it? Star two, yeah, yeah. Which is the great name. If you don't do a Star Wars connection with an R two, yep. I mean, you're just you're missing the boat on that. But C three PO is coming out next year too. So, <laughs> you know, it's like a special edition bronze version. They have a uh, the R two is actually releasing a special trailer called the D two that you connect to. That's actually like a self propulsing trailer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you connect the two R two. I mean, that's just that's just gold, right? I mean, but I think those companies are doing it the right way. You got diversity of product. You're going to need to scale it. Those, that's how you get there. And so I worry about some of these other companies that, that aren't necessarily doing it that way. Or Chevy, God bless them, man, for, for all they're doing. They're just not producing. Uh, the Bolt, obviously, they just brought back again, which is, I think, a smart thing to do. But it still feels like that's, a, that's nowhere near what a Mach-E is or, or a, you know, a Model Y, you know. And I think you see a lot of the tech, a lot of the, you see the manufacturers that didn't have their mindset on 10 years in the future. Yep. Um, and now the ones that had five years ago, the thought are the ones that are succeeding now versus the ones that are now trying to catch up um, because Ford jumped the game and they got to drop the fr- They were the very first, you know, like trucks to come on the market outside of Rivian, but the big manufacturers to drop it. And they're already seeing all of these sub brands of Maki and the other ones that are releasing and they're, they're having an evolution where these other companies are like, okay, now we're going to start looking at the EV industry um, and that's something that that kind of just puts them behind the eight ball when it comes to the evolution of that that industry, because a lot of a lot of the industries are progressing that way. But the technology is a lot more advanced than those um, from what you're seeing, you know, with some of these new vehicle releases. Yeah, And Jim talked about that. Like he knows this is generation one for the product that they have. But they've at this point, they're pretty much wrapped up on generation two. Like They've designed it. They've got it done. They're already having their team starting to look at generation three. Um, that's, you know, that's how far ahead they're thinking about these things. And out here in Palo Alto at the office that we were at, that's where their engineers are. That's where their software team is. Um, that's where they're working on the, you know, their blue crews and all their kind of stuff like that. And, you know, he's talked about how the current versions have a hundred plus modules with a hundred different codes, updating them, refining them is, is really hard to do. Um, they're third party suppliers. And in a lot of cases, the next gen is going to be brought a lot more in house. It's going to be simplified, streamlined. It's going to be more aerodynamic. There's going to be things that are going to be definitely different. You know, they wouldn't give us a whole lot of details on exactly what that was going to be. They kept hinting at these exciting things. And I'm like, give me more. Um, and it was just kind of a lot of teasing about it. So we're definitely excited to see that. But I mean, they're pretty much done with their design phase. They're just kind of giving it some polish and, and some refinement at this point. And they've already got teams moving on to the, the, the third generation. So some of these other companies are way behind. Are you referencing the T3? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the T3 and and still can't get an idea of if T3 is kind of a collection of vehicles or a singular vehicle. Sounds like there's there's going to be kind of quite a few, not just, you know, the newest version of the Lightning isn't necessarily what T3 is. Uh, again, I'm not clear, man. I could not get, you know, you just had Jason. He's probably got a much better idea there of some of those details. But I get a sense there's going to be a, you know, a smaller electric truck. There's going to be you know, a mix of hybrid, there's going to be, you know, another version of the lightning that's got more arrow to it and more capable, more range, like you guys are saying, kind of, he mentioned that they're working with, with companies that make trailers to have it integrated with batteries and things to help that extend. I think there's a lot of different layers to the strategy that they're taking. Um, 
but I, I'm I'm here for it. I'm excited for it. I, I think it's uh, it makes it a lot of after. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it, I, I, there, there's some cool tech. I'm I'm excited to see where that takes us in five years. But it's cool to be on the. I mean, we're not even necessarily the early early adopters. I mean, there's those people that ten years ago were buying the original Teslas and the uh, yep. the Chevy Bolts and stuff like that. I mean, like, but we're at the point now where we're we're the early of the curve as it as it progresses and i mean it's well uh, we are the first this is the first full-size truck you can buy other that, that has been built and it's the first ford product it's the first what i would think is a full mainstream push outside of tesla to build that type of vehicle and, and it's uh, so far i've been very happy with it so it, it, it if this is their first one i can imagine what their third and fourth is going to look like i, I can remember and then early 2000s being really excited about getting my first plasma tv and it was this oh, yes. thick you know you'd get screen burn in if you left it on too long it, it was uh, over four thousand dollars for this thing it was too heavy to mount on a wall and you know now i can go to walmart and get that you know this thin for 300 bucks you know and i've got a you know a big 70 inch behind me now that was you know i don't know 1400 and it's beautiful and uh I think I feel like that's where we are with these EVs, right? Is that we, we really are in that cell phone brick, that plasma TV day of EV technology. And you fat, you know, you continue to develop that. It's going to get really special. And so I, I enjoy the community, the uniqueness of it. I mean, the drive look for me personally, and I've driven a lot of EVs, um, all the Teslas and the Rivian, and I've been in the Lucid and the Lucid is a, it's just a, it's a great car, but I'm telling you the lightning is smoother. It is quieter by far. Um, it's it's a it's a experience built to me around the driver, um, as especially as a big guy. As a big guy, when I sit in that that Lightning, it fit me. It fit me like no other EV had, and everything's right where it should be with the hand controls, the vertical screen within reach. Um, the, the the car is so smooth and so solid that I'll be driving down the freeway, and I'm not in any kind of cruise control or anything, and it will tell me keep your hands on the wheel. Bro, my hands are on the wheel. It's so dead on locked in that the thing just doesn't move. And it is so smooth and so nice. Um, I, I've, I have yet to experience a better ride. There, there's some other better technology, better full self-driving. They're certainly quicker and faster, right? I don't know how much faster than four seconds I need to be, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. There's I need space to be melted off or else I'm not satisfied. Yeah. But I, I smile every time I get into it. I, I, I look back at it every time I get out of it. Um, it is, I have zero regrets, man. And I am excited about uh, the vehicle. And I, I was lucky. I purchased it very early. So I got original pricing. Um, it was perfect. My, my interest rate that I got on it was, you know, 2.17% from a credit union here. My, I had it, man. I had a, a, a Honda Civic, or not a Honda Civic, a Honda Odyssey minivan. Um, we, you know, we've been a Ford family. I had an F-150 before. My my wife has a 2013 Ford Edge. But when we had two kids, I got a seven, and, uh, or I'm sorry, eight and a nine-year-old now. You can't put the kids into the back of a 2008 F-150. It had the, you know, the suicide doors. It, you know, couldn't have yeah, yeah, back yeah. there. But now you got all the space in the world for the kids. All the space in the world, man. So, but we had to get a minivan first because they were too small as babies to really put, you know, and. So I've had, I did EV duty or not EV. I did a minivan duty for eight years and this thing came out and I was like, it's time. I, I've, I've done my, my sentence of the, of the minivan and 
<laughs> my wife still drives an Odyssey, but uh, she had a full size Expedition. But the Odyssey is just more practical. No, the Odyssey is a great car, man. Especially if you're having kids with those sliding doors, um, the, the slide in the seats for car seats. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> we are running long for the episode. But. Yeah, I, I could talk about this we'll forever, man. On. We'll have you back on soon. Well, uh, let us know when you're back in Memphis, and we'll we'll head down that way because we're always around there. We got a couple places we're gonna have to stop down there anyway to start talking about charging. So uh, next time you're in town, let us know. We'll, we'll we'll head your way. Yeah, absolutely, man. This stuff it's a pleasure. I I'll just trying to get me to stop talking is the hardest part. So uh, I, <laughs> I love yeah I love I love what you guys are doing. Uh, see, I love the community. I'm I'm involved with all of it, and so uh, yeah, happy to jump on anytime, guys, and keep it keep it going. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. This is another episode of Turn Down for What? Tune in next week for more exciting information. <laughs>